You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, it's the Undercard. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, it's the Undercard. The Undercard brings you the best in hand combat sports. Featuring major interviews, current events, and the hottest ring girls from around the nation. The Undercard is sponsored by Falling Down Beer Company, Podcasting Church Studios, and is produced by Rochelle Witten. And now, here are your hosts, Brad, Cody, and Jimmy. Welcome to the Undercard, everybody. It is Devil's Night in Detroit. That's officially October 30th, 2018, episode 290, as we march towards 300 episodes. Six years doing this. Um, So, yeah, uh, we're going to talk about a new sport here in about 15 minutes. We're going to be talking to uh, the creator of um it's not a new sport it's boxing done and i I don't want to reveal too much of it i want to tease it done a little bit differently that's going to be coming up in 15 minutes but it is devil's night and i i had to research uh devil's night a little bit because i didn't know a hundred percent the history but since i you know was born in detroit i mean devil's night was curfews even in the suburbs and People uh, TP in and oh, I hear like Monster Mash in the background. Oh, okay. So, anyways, uh, Devil's Night apparently um, is uh, just a, a night associated with Detroit, Michigan from the 1970s to the 1990s, uh, finally prompting the Angels Night community response. Devil's Night dates back from the early 1940s where the youths um, kind of engaged in like petty criminal behavior. Minor pranks. Youths. Yeah. Such as egging, soaping or waxing windows and doors, leaving rotten vegetables or flaming bags of canine feces on the front porch. Uh, toilet papering and trees and shrubs, which caused no property damage. However, in the early 1970s, the vandalism escalated to a more destructive acts such as arson. Uh, the primarily took in uh, place in the inner city, but surrounded suburbs were often affected as well. The crimes became more destructive in Detroit's inner city neighborhoods and included hundreds of acts of arson and vandalism every year. The destruction reached a peak in the mid to ni- late 1980s with more than 800 fires set in 1984 and 500 to 800 fires in the three days and nights before Halloween in a typical year. The decline of the De- uh, Devil's Night arson. By the early 1990s, Detroit saw a little decline in the De- Devil's Night arson after a brutal Devil's Night in 1994. Then Mayor Dennis Archer promised city residents arson would not be tolerated. In 1995, city officials organized and created Angels Night on and around October 29th through 31st. Each year, as many of the 50,000 volunteers gathered to patrol neighborhoods in the city, as a result, the efforts fires plunged to a near-ordinary levels in the first decade of the 21st century. In 2010, the number of reported fires climbed to 169, a 42% increase compared to the previous years, although the other 
years after, saw a decline again. The average about 32 fires per day is somewhat higher than the expected 26 fires per day throughout the year. Um, so, yeah. Uh, but, so, if there is any, um, I guess, modern mischief with arson, we do wish uh, the Detroit Fire Department uh, their their best fighting it tonight. But in popular culture, Rochelle, in 1989, the ska band, the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones, released their album, The Devil's Night Out. The, the Boss Tones were, loved Detroit, okay? Mm-hmm. And... Uh, Knowing members of the band, still knowing members of the band, they they treated Detroit as uh, <clears throat> their second home away from Boston. Uh, Devil's Night Out. In 1993, underground Detroit rapper Esham released the song Devil's Night about arson and mayhem in the city. Uh, in 1994, the film The Crow, a meeting of criminal underworld figures, the main villain Top Dollar, is portrayed as having started the fires, fires himself which were later um, emulated by others. Detroit hip-hop group D12 2001 debut album is titled Devil's Night, which also features a song with the same title. Devil's Night is the title of the sixth episode in the sixth season of Criminal Minds. In the episode, the FBI's behavioral analyst unit is called to Detroit to help catch a serial killer who burns people alive once a year in the days leading up to Devil's Night. Devil's Night is a title of a song from a gothic metalcore band, Motions in White, album infamous. Motionless in White, sorry. Devil's Night is the title of the fourth season of American Horror Story Hotel, fourth episode, which is the fifth season of the series. It allows the ghosts of former serial killers um, to return to the Hotel Cortez for a mischievous night. In 1997, Gross Point Blank, Debbie, Minnie Driver, refers to the reason why she is living with her father because her apartment burned down on Devil's Night. And an episode of Flint Town called Devil's Night focused on the arson in Detroit. So there's some brief Detroit pop culture Devil's Night uh, shenanigans. Uh, so, yeah, big night. Um, but, yeah, big night. In Detroit history, the Crow obviously a huge. Um, I don't know. I think that put us nationally on the map for Devil's Devil's Night. So is it is it, is it just a Detroit holiday? Then I mean, I mean, it's not a holiday, <laughs> but uh, right, it's not a holiday. But um, the way I, the sure way I'm Wikipedia sure. made it sound like it's a lot it's of a lot of Detroit. Yeah, a lot of Detroit. Um, so I don't know, uh, but we might as well not waste any time and get right to our first guest of the night. Go pull up the info here. Um, he is Jack Fulton. He is coming up with what is a variation of boxing, uh, called the fight zone. Oh Lord. Went away. That's just Devil Knight shenanigans. Somebody's messing with the phone line. You say shenanigans one more time. Shenanigans. <laughs> Hubert. Have to be prepared for voicemail. Sometimes. Hello. 
Hi, Jack. This is Brad. You're live on the air with the undercard. How are you today? I'm good, Brad. How are you? Good. We are joined by Jack Fulton. He is founder and chief executive officer of uh, the trademark The Fight Zone. Um, I, I, I want you to present it because this is your idea, but I, I said it's a variation of boxing. That was my teaser. So, Jack, I'm going <laughs> to let you introduce uh, to the crowd uh, The Fight Zone. Yeah, well, it's, uh, it's not a variation of, of boxing. What, what we've done is um, we have applied to the state of Nevada uh, for a waiver to move professional boxing into a mixed martial arts style cage that we had designed for boxing. It is a six-sided hexagon fenced cage with a boxing floor system. Uh, the fighters will fight under ABC rules, um, no clinching. No grappling, no wrestling, no kicking. It's boxing. Uh, one of the main reasons why we chose to go in this direction, first, let me give you a little bit of backstory. We actually started on this in 2016. And one of the reasons is because we noticed that within the mixed martial arts community, there were a lot of MMA fighters that were starting to kind of moonlight as professional boxers. And our research led us to the fact that one of the main reasons were um, injuries to the lower extremities, the pay and with some of the mixed martial arts promotions, and that there was real need and we could provide an opportunity there. On the other side of that coin, we recognize that, you know, professional boxing was wide open. I mean, I've been in this sport for 18 years. And anytime that you watch close to a half billion dollars come into the marketplace and still there's not a lot of energy in it. You know, we just recognized that, you know, something had to be done. So it's funny. I was coming off a co-promotion um, at Pachanga Resort and Casino in Temecula, California. And um, I had a conversation with a PR guy and I told him what my thoughts were. Shortly after that, I spoke to my attorney and uh, we started making inquiries. It was a two-year process, a two-year process. Now, uh, you, you've done some real-life testing, and I want to I get back to that in a second. But uh, you, you talked about the need um, to kind of uh, – well, actually, let's go back a little bit. So you said it, it will be by the ABC regulated. So if a fighter was to fight in a boxing ring two months before that, and then come fight in your cage, that would go on their boxing record, correct? Absolutely. <clears throat> Absolutely. It's, it's going to be governed under ABC rules. That's that is right. that is great. And now let's talk a little bit about this real-life testing. Uh, you said it, it, it exceeded expectations. Tell us what you saw that made it more exciting than having the traditional four corners and ropes and uh, go from there. I'll tell you, interesting enough, um, it's a larger fighting space than a, a regular, you know, 20 by 20, um, you know, boxing ring. <clears throat> so initially, you know, people were saying, oh, it's going to be too much room, but there are two additional corners. So if a fighter has really good footwork and he's cutting off the cage, then he can trap his opponent more. That's one thing that I noticed. The biggest change 
is the reaction. The reaction when a fighter's foot touches the back of the fencing. Okay? They recognize the fact that they're in trouble and they come out swinging. And that is monumentally different than what happens in a boxing ring. Um, and to touch on that a little bit further, we had two hearings with uh, the Nevada State Athletic Commission on this move. And one of their main concerns was, you know, when, you know, how to, number one, how to officiate contests in a cage, because most of the rest referees are not doubling as MMA officials, but two, when to uh, step in and stop the contest. You'll notice that some of the stoppages in MMA, um, you know, fighters up against fencing and he's, you know, he's not answering, you know, or he can't defend himself. They're stepping in a little bit sooner. And obviously that's going to have to take place in boxing as well, because, you know, it's, it's, you know, you, there's no give. So in boxing, you know, fighters use or boxers use ropes for defensive measures. And in a cage, it changes that dynamic. You can't do that. So we're expecting this. For me, I've seen it. So I know the product is going to be exciting. And um, I just can't wait for you and your audience to, uh, to see the same. Now, it's also called the ICB, which is the International Championship Boxing. Um, if That's people, correct. If people want to, like, stay in touch with it, it is icbleague.com. You also have a Twitter now, twitter.com backslash icboxing or icb, but the B's for the boxing league. And then instagram.com icbboxingleague, so icboxing. Uh, L-E-A-G-U-E. Now, when is the premier event? That's what everybody wants to know. And congratulations <laughs> from for getting through Nevada. Now, I mean, I want to give you a compliment before we, we hear about the premier event. It's not like you took it to a state who didn't have their, their marbles together. You went you went to the fight capital of the world, and if it, it's going to be there it can be anywhere it's not like you took it to delaware or you took it to puerto rico this is going to be a legit sport going forward and when when can we see this you're you're we're looking at something first or second quarter of 2019 uh we've just had the cage we've had two cages manufactured there's one in virginia now and there's one that's being assembled in nevada as we speak so the next the next step is the the uh commission they have to get the officials out and they're going to start moving around in the cage and uh they have to inspect it number one and then they're going to move around in the cage and uh they're going to have to you know practice officiating it's it's a different it's it's a different animal um for the lack of better words you know so that's going to take probably a month or two and um right now we're you know the, the announcement just came out this past Thursday. The response has been incredible. The MMA community seems to really be excited about it and the boxing community as well. So we're in the process of, you know, talking to fighters and signing some fighters. And there are going to be more announcements over the course of the next couple of weeks. And I love to uh, maybe come back on and, and talk about those things at that, at that particular time. Absolutely. Uh, every Good founder gets this question, and I got to ask you this: What did you but, what did you see in boxing that you're like, you know what? I want to change a little bit of it. What didn't you like about the ring format? 
Oh my God. Where do I start? I have to start with the business. Okay. Okay. The business of boxing right now is a mess with all the wars that are going on. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And, it, and, and yeah. And quite honestly, it's, we're not getting the best product out there. No, absolutely that's, not. That's, that's, yeah, that's number one. Um, but number two, the matchmaking is so poor that. Are you, you just know, talking I about think, Michigan or are you just talking about the nation? I'm talking about world. Well, in the United States, in the United States, if you look at what's going on over in Europe, um, the fights are more evenly matched. Um, you know, it's just, it's a better product, but in the U S it really, it, it's, it's not, I think we've lost a little bit of ground. If, if Floyd's not fighting or Manny's not fighting, you know, it's not, it's not the same excitement. The sport needed something that was going to bring the excitement back. And I think, I think we accomplished that with this. I really do. Well, we're super excited. Uh, we'll we'll continue to follow it. Um, I know a lot of boxers that kind of get lost in the system, and it, it seems to me when I read the press release that you're going to give opportunities to people that like to throw hands, and you're gonna come. You're gonna introduce a league that isn't so much political as much as you're out there to entertain so automatically i'm already sold on it because there is a lot of politics in boxing you know whether you get fights or not and from the press release that i read it it shows nothing but excitement for a new product out there uh some people just like to fight and you know you're gonna get those people hey brett listen um a wise man once said to me it's the fans who suffer the most Oh yeah, and that's a and that's a fact. You know, it really is. Um, you know, half the time when you're watching an event, you walk away. Man, if it would only been, or if the judges would have done this, and it's just it's just not what it used to be. And listen, I've been asked the question, "Hey, are you you know you worried about what the traditionalists are going to say?" And this is that, and the third. And the truth is. It came up in my hearing. It came up in the second hearing. And my answer to that was, if you were born within the last 15 years, you've grown up watching combat sport in a cage. Yep. And to add to that, why shouldn't the boxers have the same opportunity? Well, Let that marinate for a minute. Well, yeah. But to, to support your point, and I say this all the time to everybody I always meet, Every sport's evolving. Even baseball now has instant replay or, or stuff to it. But boxing, traditional boxing, if you go back mm-hmm. to to the you know the hundred year <laughs> rules here, there has been nothing that has pushed it forward besides the fifteen to twelve championship rounds where they went from fifteen right. to twelve. And every other sport is evolving, but boxing not because it's a perfect sport, has not evolved. I mean, football uh, with rules and tackling, everything, uh, hockey, uh, everything has, but boxing yep. is snail's pace. And that's the the way I look at your product, is maybe it's a, a great idea at the right time. Hey, I, I, I should hire you. 
<laughs> I, I take it. You said it best, man. You really did. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so we're, we're excited. We're excited. We really are. Well, it's great to have you on. Uh, once again, I want everybody to uh, follow it. Uh, what's the best way? How often are you guys posting on social media and keeping everybody uh, in tuned with what's going on with ICB? We're, we're, we're getting really busy on social media. You can tune into the website as well. That's icbleague.com. All right. And then uh, I'm sure uh, if you have any questions or if you're a fighter that's interested, because we have a lot of fighters that listen to our show, uh, this is Jack Fulton, F-U-L-T-O-N. He's the founder and uh, CEO, Chief Executive Officer of International Championship Boxing. Send him a message to the website. I'm, I'm sure you will uh, answer them and keep them informed as uh, everything goes forward. Thank you so much for your time tonight. Thanks for having me. All right. That is awesome. We'll talk to you soon. Take care. That is uh, Jack Fulton, who's introducing the Fight Zone from ICB. Uh, It's going to be boxing to an MMA-style cage. Um, I say it all the time, Michelle. It's like, really, it's it's amazing. Same sport. (laughs) Right. Besides 15 championship rounds being moved to 12, and the only reason I don't, I don't like uh, not having 15 anymore. Is that a loss for a lot more draws because you have an even number of uh, rounds? But yeah, they should at least have it. Make it 13 uh, or yeah, something. Some uh, but I understand the safety reason, like 15 people. Like, Ooh, with, with you know, like Ali barely was going to quit, you know, and, you know. Uh, you know, you have a lot of a lot of situations like that. But uh, we're going to go to our first break real quick, and then we'll be back in a few seconds. Welcome back to the Undercard, everybody. Episode 290. We found a couple amazing products out there. Mm. So we took a longer break, even though if you're listening to the podcast, it was like fast forward. Um, So Mm. just by coincidence, we were talking that it's Devil's Night. And then there's a liquor promo outside where we do our broadcast. And um, what was the devil's name, the product? It's Ginger Devil. Ginger Devil, which is a whiskey? It is a cinnamon whiskey. Cinnamon whiskey. And then Maybe there's... Mi- these are all Michigan made. Then there's the Murder Mitten. Murder uh, Mitten Moonshine. Moonshine, which we're having with bacon-infused... Cider. Cider with cinnamon sticks. Yeah. And it tastes amazing. It is really good. Well, where are you? I lost you. Where oh, my God. It tastes so good. Try again. It is so good. There you are. Yeah, you weren't on the mic earlier, so that, that makes sense. <sighs> It makes the most wonderful time of the year even more wonderful. Uh, so, yeah, so we covered earlier a little bit of fighting, so let's talk some Halloween stuff because Halloween, since we've started, has been like a big big deal for the undercard. I think we've celebrated it. So this would be our sixth celebration, even though we're not six years old. But um, I asked Larkin the other day and what her favorite scary movie was. Um, she said it was The Nun from this past summer. Oh, did you see it? Yeah, it was super good. Oh, I didn't see that one. God bless it. Uh, but... I don't want to hear anything. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's just talk the genre really quick about stuff you remember about the holiday growing up. So not so much movies, but genre. I'll start it off and give you guys an idea of what kind of path I'm going down. Uh, so Tom Ryan was a, a local... Detroit DJ and 
when, when we were kids, like horror movies had to have a gratuitous like sex scene. Like there was always nudity. A girl who was nude died. And that's just the way the films were. But if you were ran in a household that had some rules, a lot of the horror movies that you wanted to see, you didn't get to see because, once again, your parents are like, no, it has nudity in it. So Tom Ryan had a character called Count Scary. uh, And what he was was like a funny play on Dracula. And he hosted on uh, TV20. Uh, Channel 4, I believe. He hosted things like called, one time it was called Shocktober. And they were horror movies, but they were for TV. So, like, the bad scenes got cut out. Like, so the nudity, the swearing. And as a kid growing up, that's the way I had to see horror movies. It wasn't until Nightmare on Elm Street 3, which I feel. Dream Warriors. Dream Warriors, which I feel amazed still to this day. That I saw it on Elm Street. The the theater was in Wyandotte was on Elm Street, and the reason we went to that one is I wanted to say I saw Nightmare on Elm Street on Elm Street. So I was huge into horror movies, and so one of the first things I remember is Count Scary. How funny he was! He actually came to my mom's school. My mom was a teacher at the time, and he was just a local radio DJ who did it every uh you know kind of kind of thing the second i remember is before all these halloween usas and all this opened is there was a temporary shop that opened in the mall that was by me and they would have masks and they were all behind the counter and they had numbers on them and you wanted like the scariest mask as a kid and they'd be like numbered one to 50 so different than how costumes are done nowadays and um that temporary store at that mall me and my brother loved when it opened. You didn't have catalogs. You didn't have anything like that. And then haunted houses. Uh, I remember the first time that I was allowed to go to a haunted house. And uh, I remember the line was ridiculous. It was just like a two-hour wait um, in an old school. And it was everything I ever hoped it would be, down to like, I think there was real rats underneath plexiglass when you walked in. Uh, But as a kid, that's where the love of the holiday started. So, like, that's the love of it. When you get older, there's the costume parties, the drink too much, the college parties, drink too much, and everything adds to the Halloween thing. But that's the pure innocence of Halloween to me. So much that I cashed out really early at a young age to hang out with my dad and pass out candy because it was much more fun to dress up and pass out candy at the house with my dad than continue on when I was 9 or 10. Now, luckily, my my son, who's a teenager, still wants to go and do candy, and I want him to be young forever. You know, I don't want him to grow anymore. But that's my first holiday take. And so, Rochelle, your first holiday, how you fell in love, I kind of gave three reasons of why – this holiday just means a little bit to me growing up as a kid. But what, what are some of your early memories and as we're less than 24 hours away from a great holiday? Um, well, I remember the fact that it didn't matter what it was like outside. You were out. You were out. And you were out until your feet were about to fall off and you're yep. dragging your pillowcase. And it was always a bunch of you going. It wasn't just like you going with your parents because back then you could just go with your friends and 
not have to worry about it. And you were out way past the, you know, the lights coming on. And um, I remember um, some of the, the costumes from when I was little, they were always the plastic masks with the the fire hazards. Yeah, that had that little stretchy string that would always snap and break. Yeah, and you could barely breathe through them, and because <laughs> you, you had the your little sweat pinch. would be inside the the mask, and yeah. But um, it allowed me to be part of Star Wars. Nice. When I was young, I I was able to be Chewbacca, and being tiny and a girl, it's kind of difficult to do. But um, I don't know. I just I grew up with horror movies. The um, Hammer ones. Explain what Hammer is because I didn't know what Hammer series Hammer horror. was until I started dating you. And I was huge into horror. Um, they're basically British. Um, there was a So there's Hammer horror movies, which are basically the Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing. Um, they were Dracula and Van Helsing. And, and right there, let me stop you. That gives you an idea how big those films were because those are big names. It wasn't like those guys are small actors. Those are like big actors. Like Bella Lugosi, he was confined to that genre. Those guys are huge actors. You say those two names, you you know who they are. Yeah, and that's how I know Dracula is as Christopher Lee. Um, so I grew up watching them. Uh, I watch horror movies every Saturday. There was the double creature feature on Channel 20. And so, um, yeah, as, as an early age, I, I used to, it got me into it. And then I started having subscriptions to Fangoria. Oh, wow. That magazine. Yeah. Um, like I said, I had poster of Freddy Krueger on my wall in my bedroom, but it also kept my little brother out of my room because right. he was too scared. But, um, yeah, so mm, I've carried it on into my my kids and people may think, well, you're, you know, you shouldn't let your kids watch those movies. But I mean, my daughter is quite obsessed with horror movies just as I am now. But she has, so she has a little bit of different, she loves the paranormal and loves the. Yeah, um, I'm not, I'm not really big into the slasher. Right. We, we only had one growing up and it was Poltergeist and Mm -hmm. it scared the I saw that when I was in second grade but now everything's paranormal there's a lot that's a huge genre of it it went from like slasher torture porn paranormal you know Saw came along and it was like how gross can you get grossed out well I was talking to someone at work this morning and I asked him if he had seen Halloween original 1978 or the one we just saw Uh, that was Right, and that's what I told. I, I go, well, what did you think? He goes, oh, I liked it. I go, oh, it was terrible. And I said, but I don't, I don't like the slasher, you know, guy walking around like a zombie, just killing people. And you know, I like the the paranormal, the the psychological thrillers, the you know, the paranormal activity because you don't see anything, and that's what's scary. The studio's cleansed, or yeah, or you know the um. Uh, the ones with the with the ghosts and the demons and stuff that you can't explain. Exorcist still to me freaks me. Right, out. and and to my daughter, it's she's like it's not scary. The makeup still holds up. Oh my God. I mean, it she is the scariest 
picture right. is her in her full makeup. Like typically that's something over time where you go, okay, not not as good. Her makeup still holds up mm-hmm. and like how she looks like a demon, the puke, everything. Yeah, the exorcist still holds up. Larkin, how, how did you – what was your childhood like with the holiday? Well, I grew up in the middle of nowhere, so no one ever came to my house to trick-or-treat. So once I got into grade school, we always went with my friends and just in our small town. And we always dressed up, but it was never like a huge thing because I live out in the country, so it's more of the fall is a big thing because we have all the orchards and the pumpkins and everyone carves pumpkins and has bonfires. So I grew up with more of that than the Halloween thing just because we don't have a great, really great place to trick or treat. But I was the same way. I didn't really grow up with watching a whole lot of TV, but we always watched scary movies or action movies with my dad. And he was super into them. So I got into them too. And to this day, I love scary movies. And kind of what Rochelle was saying, I like it when there's plot. Like, something is going on. It's not just, like, how many people can we kill or how gory can it get where there's actually something psychological going on or the paranormal stuff. I just really like that because it actually leads to something and it's more intelligent, I guess, than just, like, killing people. But I still love to go out for Halloween. I haven't yet this year, but we all have Halloween parties and stuff, and that's super fun. But yeah, I don't. I don't know. I don't really celebrate Halloween. I celebrate fall and then, kind of Halloween, I guess. But that's kind of a country thing, I think. <laughs> All right. Uh, no hay rides. No nothing like that. I mean, because you do come from a more rural area. What was part of like Halloween there? Yeah, I mean, I grew up on a farm, so we were the ones doing the hay rides and like doing the apple orchard picking and pumpkin picking and stuff like that. So I was kind of like behind the scenes with that. But I always did that ever since I was little. Like I was always like doing the hay rides and stuff like well, that. Well, so you can tell him the woes because his I want to own a pumpkin patch. I want to own a pumpkin patch. I mean, yeah, own a pumpkin patch because it's it's so cheap to do and you can make so much money off of it. And also, people love it. Like everyone wants to go take pictures in the pumpkin I patch. Found my, I found my cinnamon stick. I found mm-hmm. it. It's hanging. It's out. down there. It's hanging out. Told down you it there. was there. Yeah. See, fall apple cider, cinnamon sticks. With that's bacon. my kind of fall. <laughs> Bacon. I started thinking though today. So, like with everything that's good with a holiday, there has to be some bad. And so, obviously, after two thousand and one nine eleven, like the the fear factor of um, what could happen to your kids came into play. And all of a sudden, trunk or treats started with a few at churches. Started with the malls doing it where you could do it malls. And then what happened is it just became like there's so many trunk or treats. I think Rochelle's kids have gone to like three or four or, or there was invited to three or four. They're just they're, – they're everywhere. And what happens is tomorrow night if the weather's bad – They're not going to go. No one goes. And so the negative is that we moved into a great neighborhood where we just got to meet our neighbors. But when I was a kid – the first six or seven houses on your block because you knew the neighbors so well, they had something special for you because they knew the neighborhood kids were coming around. And then they, w- I remember one of my neighbors always bringing me and my brother in and taking a picture of us too with whatever we were wearing. Mm-hmm. And the bad thing about trunk or treats is that the feel of community is lost where you kind of know your neighbors and stuff like that because what happens is, well, you went trunk or treating four times at trunk or treats. You know, we're just How not going to go out tonight. Do you need? Exactly. And so it kind of ruined one of the best parts of the holiday of going around the neighborhood 
and kind of seeing stuff. And I remember and houses I love, decorating a lot I more. I love seeing the little kids come up. And I love seeing all their little costumes and how excited they are, you know, that just that joy of of going house to house and the struggle of it in the bad weather. I mean, I, I, I did take Felicity and them out, what, maybe three years ago, maybe two years ago. It could have been last year. Hell, I don't remember. Um, and there was a house that was giving out treats for the parents. Yeah. They were giving out uh, glasses of wine. Jello shots. Yeah. Yeah. I ain't a bad deal. No, it wasn't. It yeah. was it was very nice. Yeah, oh. that's one thing that we haven't lost out in the country yet cuz we are a, it's a super like small um all country kind of oriented people. And in our town, that hasn't been lost yet. Like all the kids still go to every house. We don't really have trunk or treats yet. And cuz everyone just trusts everyone else because it's such a small town. Everyone knows everyone. Like if you don't know the whole town's kids and the whole town's business, then you're out of the loop. See, there's something like Americano about that. That's great. I mean, that, that yeah, um, but America, yeah, yeah America. <laughs> I mean, it's just a, uh, it's you know, that's what makes the holiday kind of cool. I wish we would get back to that. Uh, I mean, we had fears growing up. I remember the cops. You could bring your your uh, your candy the next check day. Your candy, yeah, yeah, check your candy for razor blades, right. You know, but because we, there we've was overcorrected a, it. Because there was a guy who did that. But now there's the trunk or treats have really ruined the night. If the weather's bad tomorrow, no one comes around mm-hmm. because you've already gone to that. I remember the malls being the first place to do it, where yeah, like you if could it was go around the stores, you'd go inside the mall, yeah. and then trunk or treats. There's just too many of them. Yeah, every church has one, right? And I'm not saying that's wrong because I like the holiday and you're you're spending a lot of money on, but like still try to. Do the night of, you know, and, and go meet your neighbors and go say hi to your neighbors. And Yeah, I love the idea, but I don't want it to overtake. I like the idea that, they, you know, they decorate yeah. their cars to a theme. and As long as it doesn't take away from the night because there's something – your favorite memory is no matter how cold it is, you were out there. Mm-hmm. How rain, many kids are going to be like, that was a rain out that night. I didn't go to that one, but I went to some trunk or treat, so it was okay. That weather was okay. That one, the costume was a little bit not as warm, so we didn't go far. Like, well, I mean, that shouldn't be the way to do it. The other thing with treats is that you – like, when the kids come to your house, you have, like, a moment with them to where you can be like, oh, your costume is so Yeah, what cool. are you? Right. Trunk or treat, they just they walk just, by, like, an assembly like, line. It's like, yeah, drop, walk, yeah. drop, walk, drop. You tried to talk to somebody the other day at a trunk or treat. They're like, I can't because, like, they they had a lineup at the car. Yeah. They're just like drop, drop, drop. No I got, says, I got. I'm busy. I got to yeah. do this. I'm like, okay, cool. And then when you're giving out candy, there's excitement. You look both ways, and you're like, no one's there, but I see some people walking. We're gonna have yeah. some people. In there's a, few. a lot of people. There's a lot of lights down right, that, exactly. that block. Exactly. Let's go. And uh, one of our, I don't know if it was our new neighbor, or one of my old neighbors, complaint. It might have been when I lived in uh, on uh, Lathers, but um, I remember someone complaining. Yeah, it was actually Lathers. That the kids got dropped off from other cities. And and to me, that was stupid. It was Inkster at the time. They were coming over into Garden City. And I didn't like that because, like, it's like, like, I just remember the neighbor going, oh, my God, these aren't even, like, you know, Garden City kids. And they're from Inkster. And it's like, well, they feel safer here. And you should feel honored that they feel safer here and that they want to, like, come to your city. Oh, so, I thought like, you I were saying that it was stupid that the ki- that you were mad that it. The kids were being dropped off. No, I was mad at the neighbors yeah, because, okay. like, I was just like, what, are we going to give away 20 or do you want to give away a lot, you know? 
And the the way the grids were in Garden City, it was easy to hit lots of blocks. It's right. just straight it's shots. That's how it was when I grew up. Like the way the blocks were set up, it wasn't subdivisions. Right. So the worst thing about me is, uh, or as a kid growing up, is that my dad and my mom had a, a nice house at the end of a court. And people would walk by the court and go, not worth five houses. So like they would skip the court. So like my dad would buy a ton of candy, but we'd see people walk past the court because people would be like, eh, five or we can go, go in and hit more. So mm-hmm. when you're you're a kid and you like giving out candy, um, you know, that that's dunk, you know, but – but yeah, so those are some of uh, the disadvantages as we move into uh, different era. Different. Oh my God! Yeah, I mean, just you know. Well, and then also when you we went to Halloween parties, it wasn't about well, how little can I wear? Yeah, you know who started that, um, or at least contributed to it? Mean Girls, the movie. There's a line in that movie where she says that. Halloween's become the holiday where you can dress up in the lease and still not be a slut. Mm-hmm. And then from there, I remember it just like taking over even more. Like I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, because before that, I was, you know, dressing up as a baby. Right. You know, in pajamas and stuff like that. Well, you're not going to win sexiest costume that night. But yeah, yeah, I got what you're saying. I got what you're saying. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, you know. With that. Um, but yeah, so now it's just, it's really... Like I, I don't want the holiday to become – and it is oversaturated. But – and I like that it's oversaturated, but I don't like that it's oversaturated. It's tough, dude. I, I wrestle with stuff sometimes. But I wrestle with that. I want it to like have value still, the holiday. Um, and I don't want like certain things to take away from the value of it. Prime example um, – these pop-up shops that sell almost all the costumes, probably 90% of the costumes, they dictate what people are going to be. That, and they take away originality. How many of our parents made our costumes or try uh, to? I know you still try to for your kids, and I that's awesome. To. Yeah, But that happened a lot. I went and got fangs. My mom went and got the white shirt. We found a medallion to be Dracula, mm-hmm. and she did my face paint. Now it's – you see it. You have to have it because it's the official Walking Dead Sheriff one. 60 bucks out the door. No creativity. Yeah. You know? I don't want you to make it, Mom. I'm not going to wear it to school because it's not the official Rick Grimes or whatever, whatever it exactly. is. You know? Um, watching old zombie films, though, that's the other thing I wanted to talk about is that talk about, like, those are tough to watch, but they're 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 great in the fact that that guy George Romero it's still Walking Dead no matter what storyline they are at that is still his idea zombies like I mean that's freaking fantastic Mm -hmm. that he came up with an idea and then people might reinvent it a little bit here and there but that's still his effing idea at the end of the day that is freaking phenomenal I mean his legacy is amazing well yeah because it's not like you can say that we know or heard of the person who created the vampire? No, there was a, uh, there I was mean, so many urban myths about exactly. that. Exactly, it started with bats, and then you know from there it was uh, um, Vlad. Yeah, and then uh, we, we talked about this on a previous show long ago, two hundred shows ago or something. But Nas, Nasferatu and how that was with with vampires and stuff. Um, but The Walking Dead is more popular than. 
probably any horror show has ever but been. But is it because of the zombies or is it because of the storyline? doesn't matter. He's still piggybacking off the no, no, zombies. No, I understand You have that. to have an apocalypse to I have those storylines. I understand story that, but that's probably not why it's popular as it is. Well, it was a comment. Yeah. I mean, zombies are cool. You know, everybody like, – Do you prefer the slow ones or the ones like out of World War Z? Are they, are they chasing me or am I watching them? What? You're saying do clearly I prefer they're them? not clearly they're not chasing you because they're not real. Then I like the faster real. ones. Okay. Yeah, I like the I like the World War Z ones. I like yeah. that movie. I don't like The Walking Dead. It's so sad. It's too sad. They do lose a too, lot of characters. Too many yeah, too many good characters die too gruesomely. Well, you know Rick Grimes is going to die. Yeah. I mean, I I like how they are like, "Oh, his last two episodes." Maybe yeah. he walks away and tries to find more people. Well, mm. Chris, my boyfriend loves it. He loves it. And I'm like, "I'm not watching with you." Not, I can't do it. Now, does he watch The Fear of the Walking Dead? The, the, the spin off. Oh, I don't know. I don't think so. Hmm. I think there, he's just watched the original. There was more people out there. And I basically follow from the, their the start family, of it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I, I haven't even heard of that. You know, I mean, but it plays on a lot of fears. He wakes up in the hospital, he's alone. People don't like the idea of being alone. But lost they do in that the a lot, Resident Evil. Right, because it's a fear. Yeah. You know, Jimmy, Jimmy's days, fear of being lost later. in the woods. We hear about it every episode. <laughs> you know, like I, to Larkin, who comes from the country, if you heard Jimmy cry about being lost in the woods every second, you'd be like, what's the big deal? But he's lost in the woods in Michigan for three days. Yeah, he was lost in the woods and he cries about it a lot. I love you, Jimmy, but you cry about it a lot. And, uh, you know, so like that's that's a common fear. And then from there, it goes into the fear of, you know, your family. You've, you know, I'm not ruining anything for Walking Dead. I'm sure everyone's seen season one. But um, there is a new show that I've not seen yet that Rochelle's watching that Stephen King gives his thumbs up to. And people are saying it's so scary that it's ruining their days. And that's House of Haunting oh. of Hill House. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I am. Epi- episode three. OK. Oh, oh yeah. It's I, so I, good. I binged. Tara binged, too. Yeah. Yeah. She watched it alone at my house. No, I'm thinking of watching it again just because once you once you finish, you'll realize that there are things you need to go back and see. And catch because there's yeah. so much that goes on. Oh, yeah. It's see, that's so the kind of good. that's the kind of thing I love when there's stuff you were like, oh, yeah, this connects to this. And this is why this it's happened. It's so fucking creepy. Yes, I totally agree. Oh, I love it, though. Yeah. Over the good Walking stuff. Dead, Rochelle? Better? Yeah. Okay. I mean, like, again, I don't mm-hmm. that kind of stuff doesn't doesn't do it for me mm. yeah exactly it's just sad it's not even scary yeah now rochelle's huge into american horror story i've never i think i maybe got through half a season of freak show or something but to me that's not scary either it's just not bizarre. scary it's just good storyline but and it has the word horror in it it's so concept. it should be scary yeah it's i told you it has to do with the dante's inferno mm-hmm. and the levels of of hell did you watch the recent season um, cult. I am only in episode two. It's hard to get through the middle, but you're going to love it. Well, see, I, I had a hard time with Roanoke. Okay. Um, once they started flipping it to, oh, we're going to restart and do a second season and it, like the reality thing inside, it just, I didn't like that one. But, um, I, I, I'm, I started watching, uh, Apocalypse. Because Murder House and Coven were my favorite uh, seasons. But I do love Hotel. Mm-hmm. I liked Hotel a lot, too. 
I like the because I just got more into the most recent season, and it's I mean it's super political, but it's kind of dry for a while. But the ending is just killer because sometimes they don't end very well. But yeah. this one actually has like oh yeah this is there's a reason that this all happened. So yeah, well I appreciated I, that. I I absolutely love uh, Peter uh, Evan Peters. Uh huh. I think he's spectacular. Oh yeah, for sure. So I I, I think it's. An amazing show. I think they're going to have, what, I think one more season after this, and then they're done. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, I mean, so the horror movie, maybe, the horror movie franchise has probably suffered because horror TV series have become such a big deal. I mean. The good ones, anyway. Yeah. There's so right. much longer for plotline to develop. Right. And especially when you got, like, ten episodes and they throw them all at you at once. Even Bates Motel was about what. Norman Bates was doing when he wasn't doing that, wasn't it? When he was a kid. Right. Yeah. Like around. When his mom was alive. Yeah. Psycho's still a great movie. Mm-hmm. It's Again, just, though, it's it's not a slasher movie as so much as it is psychological. Yeah. Thriller. Yeah. But I, I, I grouped the thrillers. birds. Oh, my God. The birds is terrifying. Yeah, it is. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> old Some of those old movies are just... Absolutely terrifying. You just think about being attacked by like 500 birds. Yeah. I, that's scary. When I was in Florida, I got, well, I had a you cookie. got attacked by a bird. I did I had in a park cookie in, in my Claire hand. <laughs> and a seagull came down and took my cookie out of my hand. Oh, my God. And ever since then, no more seagulls. <laughs> Sky rats. Yeah. You, you got to play the song now. She said oh, seagulls. I don't know if I have it on here. I'll have to look. Have you ever heard the Yoda song? I don't know. I don't know what you're oh talking about. Oh, my God. Just go straight to the lyric if you've been attacked phone. by a seagull. I'll find it on my phone. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, so you're not the only one that's been attacked by seagulls. It was traumatizing. I actually cried. I was like, <laughs> you a, did. I was a freshman in high school. It was like the first time I'd been to Florida. Just on the beach. Oh, attacked. Are you able to find it? Seagulls, stop it now. Yep. Larkin's theme that day. It's an ad. Let's see if we can get it for her. Do you still carve jack lanterns? It is Mark Wahlberg. Yeah. Yeah. Always. I'm making Chris do it tomorrow with me. This is one of those bad lip reading things. Let's see if I can. And if all your thoughts. I hate Brenda, and a bad guy hit me in the shin, and I peed all in my pants. <laughs> it was on a beach. Oh, my God. <laughs> Anyways, oh, all I could think of was the, the lyrics for the seagull. That is accurate. I was traumatized. That's hilarious. <laughs> I was on a beach. I didn't even. I forgot that lyric, but now <laughs> now I remember that lyric too. But so you still carve jail lanterns? Yes. 
that's like something that I want to do until like I'm 90. Yeah. Is carve jack o' lanterns. Mm-hmm. I don't scoop the insides out, but no, I like to carve them job. after they they do that. It's too cold in there. Like it's not, are too no, cold. I put gloves on. Too cold. Too cold. Or we can get like one of those really really nice things that like like does it for you. We have one. It doesn't work. No, but I think there's like industrial ones too. We don't carve enough to invest. All right, but I want to carve a lot. I want to do one day like like the the trick or treat house that has like a hundred of them on there. I don't know if I could do that. I got that many. Well, at, so like at Greenfield Village, they have a bunch of people that come and right. do the whole paths and stuff. So we'll just hire people mm-hmm. and be like, "You're carving today." Yeah, you can you can hire me. I'll do it. And then I'll have like concept art. Okay, you're doing scary. You're doing this. You're doing that. And everybody will be in the garage working. <laughs> and then like we'll put them out. And then we'll beat the neighbor across the street who's Finally. got us beat this year. Yeah, oh, there's no way I'm touching him this year. But we like so the neighbor across the street had a little bit, and then we're like, okay, well, we're gonna do some. And then I thought what we did was pretty good. And then like he one upped it, and then just won. It's like, all right, well you you won. Is this like good the gym. Grinch? No, no. It's just I mean we've not met them yet, but we've met everybody else in the neighborhood. But like yeah, well played. Like they got a lady in the. Like the, a window, ghost lady in the window, the ghost lady in the window, who's really scary, and uh, they leave it on all night, like we leave our lights on all night. Yeah, and then they have those um, holograms. So it's a race to see who has the, the worst electrical and... bill. Come, oh, they will. They will. They'll have the worst electrical <laughs> bill. So they lose in November. They, won, they won. We win in November. Yeah. Um, but yeah, those are some of the uh, Halloween memories I wanted to cap on. I'm definitely. I know Larkin's going to take some pictures out there. I'm definitely going to get some more drinks and stuff. But from the undercard, we wanted to wish everybody a super happy and safe uh, Halloween. Don't do anything crazy that anyone else would do um, and get in trouble. Um, you're carving pumpkins, Larkin, tomorrow? Yeah. You pass out candy? No, no one comes to your house? No one comes to my house. I live on a dirt road. Oh, man. I know. It's no fun. I was super sad when I was a little kid, but. Everyone else that's going trick-or-treating or handing out candy, I'm jealous. Are you doing Scary Movie with Boyfriend tomorrow, then? I have to work. Okay. Hopefully. All right. I'll work on it. Don't, we- don't waste your money on Halloween. <laughs> terrible. Have you ever seen the movie Trick-or-Treat with Sam? No. That's Well, okay. That's one of the greatest, so just do it. Okay. And thank me later. <laughs> They're short stories intermingled, but it's just based on the tradition of the holiday. I wouldn't say it's scary. It's just amazing. It's just good. Yeah, it's not scary. Mm-mm. It's kind of cool. Um, Rochelle, anything you want to wish everybody the night before Halloween? Just be safe. Be safe, exactly. Enjoy. When we come back, it will be officially November. So everybody have a good one, and we're going to go grab some more drinks. Larkin's going to take some more pictures, and we'll be back.